It's a song that we would like to bring in next Sunday morning as a congregational song as we all come to worship and give thanks to the Lord our God next weekend. And so we invite you to stand now, lift up your voices as we all together sing, There is power in the blood and then great is thy faithfulness. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? 
Amen. It is good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and we truly lift you up, exalt you and praise you. It is a privilege to be able to come and worship you. And I do ask that you'd be with us as we dismiss from our minds the rush, the chaos, the cares of this world. And we come and we sit and meditate and worship. Help us, Lord, to lay aside those things that we might draw nearer to you. We praise you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Oh! 
like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. appreciate so much those who minister to us in music and in song. It is a true blessing. And I would encourage you, if you have any inclination to play an instrument, go ahead and learn an instrument. Come and join us. Be a part of the song service. Uh, or maybe you learned it in high school and you've set it in the closet and it's gathering three inches of dust. Um, sweep that dust off. Get that instrument out. Practice up. Come and Come, come and be a part of the music program. This morning, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 down through 17 is what I'm going to read to you to kind of start us off. Title of my message this morning simply is Baptists Baptize. Pretty simple, isn't it? Pretty straightforward. Baptists Baptize. And the reason is because we take from the scriptures the literal texts that talk about baptizing believers. And this morning, actually, we're going to baptize. We have two folks that, that are going to go ahead and be baptized. Brother John is going to baptize his little boy, Jesse. Jesse received Christ here a little while ago and uh, has just been waiting and he's been talking to his mom and dad and uh, he's going to be baptized this morning. Then Andy, right over here, Andy's going to be baptized this morning. But sometimes it's really good for us to go back and just kind of relearn. Why is it that Baptists baptize the way they do? And I'm going to take you into the scriptures today. We're going to look in the Gospels. We're going to look in the book of Acts. A little bit in the epistles. And we're going to be reminded of why it is that Baptists baptize. Look with me at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 down through 17. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we look into these scriptures. 
I ask that it would be you that gives us clarity and understanding. In Christ's name we pray, amen. When we start off in that text, I want you to take note, it tells us, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan. In fact, if you look over to verse 1 in chapter 3, it says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Well, today you can go to, well, you can't today, but if they weren't in the middle of a war over there, you could go over to Jerusalem, you could go over to Israel, and you can travel down towards the Dead Sea, and you can go to the place where tradition says that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. You can get back in your tour bus and you can drive all the way up the nation of Israel, all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Jesus left from, from Galilee, to walk all the way down to Jordan, just north of the Dead Sea. Now, years ago, I was on a tour. We had brought a group from our church. Some of you were on it. And uh, our guide was on walkie-talkies, talking to other guides. And one of the guides said, hey, listen, the entrance to the traditional site of Jesus' baptism is open. And that was very rare because Jordan River is the border of Jordan, the nation, and it's so far south down there, the two governments, uh, they're not so keen on each other coming to the border like that. But for whatever reason, they had decided they were going to open that up for the day. And they reached out to some tour buses and said, if you're interested, come on down. So as we came down, we're driving down this dirt road, barbed wire fence on both sides. And the guide told us, he says, I want you to see right over there, you can see the heads of mines all out through that brush and through that way. And there's big signs that say mines, mines, do not enter, mines, mines, all the way down to the river. So there's only a road that goes down through. And then once you get down there on the other side, you can see where the Jordanian soldiers come down and they keep an eye on what's going on. So for you and I today, this is a very perilous place. And as you have seen on the news right now, it is a warring place. But at the time of Jesus, this was just a wilderness place. And that's what the text tells us. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And where did he go? He went where verse 1 of chapter 3 says, the wilderness of Judea. Now, you and I, when we think of wilderness, we're thinking the green mountains. We're, we're thinking forests, not that way at all. It's a wilderness in the sense that it's scrub. It's desert. There are trees, but not big trees. And back in that day, it had not all been hewed down as it was after the time of Christ, when the Romans came and took everything, but it was still pretty desolate. So I want you to understand that Jesus purposely set out on a journey with the intent of being baptized. This wasn't something that just happened. It wasn't just a casual, hey, I think I'll get baptized today. Jesus decided it was of utmost importance to him to set out on a journey from the northern part of Israel all the way down by foot, all the way down to just north of the Dead Sea and to be baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Why is that important to us? Because we too are just as intentional. We're just as pur purposeful. We take it just as seriously as Jesus himself when we follow the Lord and obey the Lord in baptism. Baptism is a historical and perpetual ordinance of the church. There are two ordinances. One is the Lord's Supper taking communion. The other is baptism. Both of them picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Both of them picture salvation. Christ dying for the sins of mankind that you and I might receive him and have newness of life. Our sins washed away, not by baptismal waters, but by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 
So not only do we understand that baptism is something that is purposeful, intentional, something that we need to think about, contemplate, and consider, and do, but we understand that there were certain things that mattered concerning baptizing. Um, part of the perpetuity of it is the fact that Jesus Christ chose to have it done and he recognized John the Baptist as the one he wanted to have it done. We see that Christ's apostles baptized. John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea. So the Lord Jesus Christ, in his ministry, as he's reaching people with the gospel, he's having his apostles baptize people. He commanded the church to continue to baptize. When we look at Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's part of the Great Commission. It's part of the very purpose of the church. Our purpose here in the year 2023, God still says to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them, baptizing them, discipling them. It's part of who we are as a church into perpetuity forever. The example was set on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. So can you imagine on the day of Pentecost as they're preaching there in Jerusalem? As Peter's preaching the word of God? 3,000 people responded and said, Yes! I want to receive Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. Yes, I believe that he is the son of God, the savior, the Messiah. Yes, I'm going to trust in him for my salvation. And 3,000 of them got baptized and were added unto that church. 3,000 people getting baptized. Can you imagine what that must have been like? It's just mind-blowing. So all the apostles must have lined up over at the... It doesn't tell us where they got baptized. One of the great big huge cisterns in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had large stored bodies of water where people would go down and they would get the water for their community. So I'm assuming they all went down and gathered around and one after another baptizing. 3,000... Can you imagine the stir it made in the city of Jerusalem as people talked about that? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And you and I today, we still follow in the tradition of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that he gave to his apostles that he passed on to every church throughout all generations. The purpose of baptism is very clear. Matthew 3.15 says, Jesus answering said unto John, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus said it's a righteous thing. Remember John the Baptist, I read you the text. John the Baptist said to Jesus, Whoa, wait a minute. I should be baptized by you, not you by me. And Jesus says, No, we're going to do this now. And we're going to do it for righteousness sake. And righteousness simply means right in the eyes of God. God had a purpose. He wanted to set a pattern, an example. John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance. Calling the nation of Israel, come, repent, prepare for the coming Messiah. Well, Christ didn't need to repent. He was not a sinner. Christ is the sinless Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice for our sins. He is spotless, without blemish. But, he said, I want to be baptized for righteousness' sake. I want to do that which is right in the eyes of God. I want to set that example for all Christendom for all time. 1 Peter 3.21 says... 
Baptism is the answer of a good conscience towards God. So why do Baptists baptize? Because it's a good conscience towards God. Because it's the righteous thing to do. It's what the Bible has taught us to do. It is the precedence set in the Gospels and the book of Acts of the work of God, early Christendom launching off that we might see this picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism paints that, that picture. In fact, when we look in Romans chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says, If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. He says, if we've gone to the baptismal waters and been planted in the picture or likeness of his death, then we also are in the likeness of his resurrection. And that's part of baptism. You'll see this morning when I baptize, I will use those words because we still follow that pattern today that was set by the Lord Jesus Christ in the early apostles. So the acceptance of Christ's death on the cross, his burial, it gives us newness of life just as he resurrected. So we come into a new life in Christ. So why do Baptists baptize? Because there's a genuine, real purpose in it. It doesn't wash away our sins. It doesn't save our soul. Jesus did that on the cross. And we, by faith, accept that and apply that to our lives. But the purpose is to do what's right before God. That righteous act that Christ said he wanted to do. It is to follow in obedience, in right conscience before God, as 1 Peter references. And it is to draw that visual picture for anybody who would see. So on the day of Pentecost, imagine 3,000 people being baptized in Jerusalem. And as people are watching that, they're talking. You know, people in the community, what are these people doing? What are these Christians doing? What's going on here? It's a visual picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ every time. It's interesting when we look in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was accused of turning the world upside down in his day. Well, part of that is because they had gone from community to community to community preaching the gospel. And when people came to salvation, they would go to a place, a place of water, whether it be a large cistern or, or a river or a pond, something where there was water. And there's not a lot of water there. So it's a community place. And there they would baptize people and people would talk about it. Hey, did you see those Christians? They were down at such and such a place baptizing some of our neighbors and our friends. Your grandma was baptized. Your neighbor was baptized. Hey, that guy you work for, he got baptized there. People were talking about it. And it turned the world upside down they were living in. That's what our New Testament tells us. So we understand that there is a very historical, perpetual ordinance. That there is a very clear purpose intended in baptism. And the third thing I want you to see is that there is a very select group who are involved in baptism. It's not for everybody. <laughs> baptism is for the children of God. It's not for everybody. We don't just go out and stand at the corner and say, come on in and get baptized. We don't go ahead and set up a baptistry tank on Church Street and just tell people, come on by, we'll dip you. It's not like a sheep dip. No, this is something that's serious. It's purposeful. It is for a select group. It is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says, They that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Those who believed. You and I that are here today that have received Christ as our Savior. We believe the simple message 
that God sent his only begotten son. And his son was willing to go to the cross and there be crucified and shed his blood, not for his sin, but for yours and mine. And we say, yes, Lord, I believe that. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we say, yes, Lord, I call upon you. I believe and I trust in you. And God says, that transaction of faith creates new birth in us. We're born again. We become children of God. Then we are eligible to be baptized. Because then it's saying, oh yes, we died to the old man just as Jesus was buried. And we rise as a new person in Christ just as Christ rose in newness of life in his resurrection. You and I qualified, not because of our goodness, our righteousness, but because of Christ's work of salvation in our hearts and our lives. It's interesting that in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, it says, but when they believed, Philip preaching the things that he was preaching concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. One of the interesting things that sometimes we forget and that are ignored is the transformation that Christianity brought into the world as far as equality goes. You see, you and I, when we receive Christ as our Savior, the Bible teaches that as far as God is concerned, there's no difference between a Jew or a Greek, a Gentile, between a man or a woman, no difference. But ancient history, there was a huge difference between men and women. There was definitely a power struggle. Women were greatly oppressed, oftentimes very much treated like a possession rather than a person. But Christianity brought in a level playing field. This text tells us they baptized both men and women. It was not a segregation. There's many places you can go in the world today. If you were to go to a, a mosque and you were to go in and try to worship, immediately they would separate the women from the men. And the men go in and they all kneel in the front. And behind them are the women because the men are treated as more important than the women. We don't see that in the New Testament. We don't see that in Christianity. Jesus Christ leveled the playing field. He wanted every generation forever to understand that when you're a child of God, you are all worth the same price paid. Jesus on the cross. Nobody is more important. Nobody's less valuable. Everyone is worth God himself dying on the cross for. So when we look at a text like this, we learn something. We learn something about baptism, but we learn something about Christian faith. Every man, every woman, everyone welcome, everyone equal. You and I are all so valuable, so loved by God that he was willing to die, shed his blood for your sins and for mine. When we come down into these scriptures, we understand that baptism was not only for any man and woman who had faith, all those who would believe, but we see that it's a mature faith. He doesn't say, bring me every little baby. You never see, no. there is no place in the New Testament where you see an infant baptized. Now, I grew up in New England. I grew up in a little town called Rutland, Massachusetts. My family history was congregational. And so when I was just a little tiny bit of a, a nightmare to my parents, probably <laughs> weeks old, I don't even know, they went ahead and they brought me and they went ahead and they threw water on me. And that was supposed to do something for me or them, which I do not know. But I know that in the Bible that does not exist. Now, when I became a teenager, I met a guy on the job who talked to me about Christ. 
I knew nothing about Christ. But he started talking to me every day on the job. And I would work. It was a construction job. He was on the backhoe. He'd stepped on a landmine in Vietnam. So I was his legs. I worked. His dad hired me to be his laborer. So I worked. And he shared the gospel. And there came a time when, bam, the light came on for me. And I realized... I need Jesus Christ as my savior. And he said to me, he says, well, come to church. And they were just having church in a little elementary school cafeteria at that time. They were starting the church. And so my high school girlfriend and I, we loaded up in our, my car and we went to church. And Sunday after Sunday, man, I'm, I knew nothing about Christianity. And I'm listening. And then one Sunday morning, the light came on again. And I realized, I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And at the invitation time, I went down. And they knelt down with me at those folding chairs. And they showed me in the Bible. They answered my questions. And we prayed that day. I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. A few weeks later, I get a phone call. And the, it was not the pastor, it was the youth director, the associate pastor. He says, hey, Tim, we're going to be baptizing at a pond. Do you want to get baptized? I thought, well, I don't know. I, what is baptism? So we went, he did a little Bible study, explained to me what baptism was. And I knew exactly the pond he was talking about. It was in my town. But you couldn't just get to that pond. You had to hike to that pond. So we parked our cars. We walked down this trail, went down to this pond. Now, this was not some fancy pond with beautiful, you know, beaches and uh, big, big beach umbrellas. No, this was a truly in the woods, muddy bottom, leafy, mucky pond. But it was great. We went down there, we gathered around, and uh, not that we're going to do that this morning, because we're going <laughs> to baptize right here. But we gathered around, we sang Christian songs, and we waded out into that mud, and I could care. I could care. I was, of course, I was a country kid. I swam in ponds like that anyways. Went out into the mud, and there they baptized me. Man, it was exciting. It was exciting to do what God had called me to do. It was exciting to receive Christ, follow the Lord in baptism. My faith was mature. I understood that I'd received Jesus as my Savior, and therefore I needed to follow him. I want you to look with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Because it's important for us to understand... <clears throat> And to have clarity. And here we find the Ethiopian eunuch. He wanted clarity. He wanted to understand about baptism. So he asked Philip. Philip was an evangelist, a preacher. Listen to what he, he says to Philip here down in Acts chapter 8, verses 35 and 36. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain body of water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What would hinder me to be baptized? And I think that's a natural thing. You have Philip preaching to him about receiving Christ as his savior. And talking to him about how that he would then be born again, a child of God. And then he'd follow the Lord in baptism to picture the death, burial, and resurrection. And the eunuch said, well, wait, there's water. There's a pond. Let's get baptized. What would prevent it? He says, what would hinder me? And Philip says to him in verse 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You see, that's the key, isn't it? When we start talking about baptism, baptism is not, it's not just a ritual. It's not just something you do for everybody who's passing on by. It's for those who believe with the sincerity of their heart. They're genuine children of God. They put their faith and trust in him. The Ethiopian eunuch wanted to make sure that he understood. He says, what would hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, you have to believe with all your heart. And the Ethiopian says, 
I believe. I believe. And so it tells us they went ahead and pulled that chariot over uh, this morning as I was working in my office. Uh, Rich Gilbert pulled in his, I heard his chariot coming up the hill. <laughs> He's got, I think it's a Camaro. Is it a Camaro? Pretty sure it's a Camaro. Heard him come in, that thing is rumbling all the way. And so I can envision very well this Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. <laughs> they pull over there. They get off, they go down. And he baptizes him. You and I, we take seriously baptism. We can have fun. We can enjoy it. But it's serious business. It is the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a picture of us dying to the old person and becoming a new person in Jesus Christ. It's a picture that is drawn throughout all of Christendom. Whether little tiny churches that are starting in elementary schools and using a local pond, or whether it's churches that are well-established in communities with nice heated baptistry tanks. <laughs> Doesn't matter where or when. You and I baptize because it is what Jesus taught us to do. And we follow that tradition. Not only do we follow it, we embrace it. We celebrate it. Because it is something that proclaims somebody has been, by faith, born again. They have received Christ. They are a child of God. They are one of his. And they want the world to know it. When we look at these examples, you don't see them take them where nobody can see. Nope, they're right out there. They're right out there in the community. They're part of the neighborhood, just like us. We baptize right where everybody can see. I don't have little private secret baptisms. We do it right where everybody can see. Through the years, I've baptized at the boat launch in Virgins. And I, I know every time that comes up, people say, you mean right by the treatment plant? <laughs> and so I tell them, no, just above the discharge pipe. <laughs> I've baptized on Lake Champlain. And I know I have people who will say to me, oh, I don't even eat the fish out of Lake Champlain. I do. Now, maybe I won't live long, but I do. <laughs> yes. Those times are special. But the regular part of our church, winning people to Christ by showing them the gospel and sharing them with them faith. The regular part of our church where we disciple and teach and encourage them to follow the Lord in baptism. It is a part of the history of our faith. And how I hope and pray that 50 years, 100 years from now, Victory Baptist Church, yes, Baptists, baptize. Thank you for coming and being in the Lord's house today. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. As we are dismissed, I just want to encourage you to pray for your church family. We had people this week who had surgeries. We have people in the hospital. Uh, remember to pray for one another as you go into this Thanksgiving week. Good to have you in the Lord's house. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. Help us to be a witness and testimony to you throughout our community. And Lord, as we go into this Thanksgiving week, we thank you. For you are such a good God. We thank you for your many blessings to us. And when we come to those deep valleys, you are there walking with us. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We rest in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.